Hi everybody, welcome back to the Fragrance of Christ podcast. Our topic is on encouragement and how important it is to learn that God cares how we feel. We saw in part one that God's word has a lot to say on this topic, far more than we can cover here. But let's pick up where we left off in part one by checking out Dad's See Page 49 message. So page 49 of Dad's New Testament Bible has a faint penciled box around verses 37 through 40 of Matthew 25. It's as if Dad could not boldly circle these verses in ink, just humbly and gently scribe the page with a blunt pencil, as a servant awed by the sheer power and majesty of his almighty king. When I first read the noted verses, I was not seeing a message of encouragement. In the words of Jesus himself, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see thee hungry and feed thee? Or thirsty and give thee drink? And when did we see thee a stranger and welcome thee? Or naked and clothe thee? And when did we see thee sick or in prison and visit thee? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Matthew scripture chapter 25 verses 31 through 46 is known in modern times as the parable of the sheep and goats. It is the last parable that Jesus spoke to his disciples privately at the location of the Mount of Olives just two days before his betrayal and arrest during Passover in Jerusalem. Jesus is speaking of the judgment of the nations in this passage, which will take place at his second coming. I encourage you to read the entire passage if you have not already. The parable's meaning is very controversial, even to the point that there is no agreement as to whether it's a parable or not. I have avoided links to opposing views on this parable, but feel that we can surely ascertain that the verses speak of King Jesus separating the goat nations to his left for everlasting punishment and the righteous sheep nations to his right hand for eternal life, based upon their treatment of the least of these my brethren. But what does this mean? Who are the least? Scripture supports, explains, or backs up Scripture, so let's look at a passage in Exodus. Exodus 22, verses 21 through 27, King James Version. It says, Thou shalt neither vex a stranger, nor oppress him. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath shall wax hot, and I will kill you with the sword. 
and your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. If thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him as a usurer, neither shall thou lay upon him usury. That's interest. If thou at all take thy neighbor's raiment to pledge, thou shalt deliver it unto him by the sun goes down. For that is his covering only. It is his raiment for his skin. Wherein shall he sleep? And it shall come to pass when he crieth unto me that I will hear, for I am gracious. Consider. Here in Alaska, it would be thought inhumane in extremely cold weather to accept the coat of another unless the circumstances were dire or survival related or the recipient of the coat knew it was a spare coat of the giver. Yes, and return it by nightfall. But I can also witness that some Alaskans will go out of their way to cover a freezing homeless person with their own coats in sub-zero weather. Whether believers or not, I cannot say, but the gesture of mercy for the poor and naked is not lost on this writer, nor with Jesus, I'm confident. Don't forget my brethren, our fellow believers, the Jews. And Yeshua was definitely a Jew. Show kindness to one another. Help one another. Pray for and lift up all men as only God knows who is of the sheep nations or who is of the goat nations. We're not to discriminate or judge anyone. I hear all the time that there is no salvation in good works. Baloney! True, Jesus is our Messiah, and he is our Redeemer. There's no other way to salvation but through belief in him. Yet his ministry on earth was a life of good works. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. Let his example be our guide in order to be more like him. I think James, the Lord's brother, clarifies the question of good works. What doth it profit, my brethren, Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. James 2, verses 14 through 18. So where is the message of encouragement on page 49? For me, it's the promise of great reward that Jesus taught us. He knows his sheep and is known by them. King Jesus is the great shepherd who carefully tends his flock or sheep nations and keeps it safe from God's wrath. He refers to his sheep as being righteous, but Jesus warned in his own words that there's a terrible and final consequence for the goat nations who are not charitable, who do not feed the poor, but rob the poor 
who do not help orphans or widows, but abuse and sell them into slavery, who love themselves more than their neighbors, who judge the sins of others as being worse than their own. The gospel of the kingdom of Christ is to love one another as the king loved us. As we walk that out, take encouragement from page 49 of Dad's Bible. Jesus rewards the faithful and obedient servants of his word with everlasting life. How much more encouragement do we need? The Cost There is nothing on page 49 that will make us prosperous by the world's standards. The gospel is totally free as our gift from our Father in heaven. He sacrificed his son for us. There is no way to take up our cross and follow him except to humbly serve others less fortunate and without expecting personal gain or earthly honor. Our true reward is his spiritual blessing of life everlasting with him, which is treasure immeasurable. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. Next segment. Encouragement. See page 130. The heart of the servant is what God looks at. Being encouraged to do God's will is not always what we want to hear. We want Him to support us doing our will. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time in coming, and he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From every one who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Luke 12, verses 41 through 48. The heart of a servant would have been a good title for this post. Jesus declared himself to be a servant of the Father many times in Scripture. What was his heart? Plainly, he loved us so much that he gave all on the cross for us. Christ took our severe punishment, which was death, 
which we deserve even though he was blameless. He was the one who has given much. Therefore, since believers are to be like him, much will be required of his followers. Jesus is teaching in Luke 12 that there are basically three types of servants and how a master dealt with each group. Number one, the faithful, sensible servants. They were rewarded. Group two, unfaithful, disobedient service servants, and they received severe punishment. Group three, innocently disobedient servants, received light punishment. So let's take a look at group one, the faithful, obedient servants. This is the group that all Christians believe or hope they have membership in. Group one will inherit God's kingdom, but Jesus also reveals that it does not come without cost in verse 48. It's called taking up our cross and following him. The cross of every believer is to be the same as his cross. Men will always exact a heavy penalty for those who they consider to be against the establishment. The world will scoff, ridicule, and persecute every believer who's dedicated to being a servant of the Father, just like Jesus. Verses 43 and 44 are the scriptures that all believers love to hear, though, the ones that mention reward for faithful service. Jesus gives a detailed description of group one, represented by the churches of Smyrna in Revelation 2, verses 8 and 11, or 8 through 11, and Philadelphia, Revelations 3, verses 8 through 12. The church of Smyrna is the poor but spiritually rich church to which Jesus promises he will give the crown of life. The church of Philadelphia is known as the church that's loyal to Christ, the church that perseveres and is watchful for his coming. Jesus promises the church of Philadelphia not only a crown of life, but for overcomers, a pillar in the temple of God and a permanent home in the temple of God that the name of God, the new name of Christ, a brand new name for the church, and a new name for the new Jerusalem will all be written upon them. Group one is the group Jesus loves to love. Group two, the unfaithful disobedient servants. The master cuts them to ribbons and then banishes them from his kingdom as unbelievers. Harsh? That is what Jesus said they deserved. Well, wouldn't it be fair to just let us repent and forgive us? cries group two. It is the saddest thing to contemplate, but God knows the heart. Evidently, group two does not have loyalty to the master or the heart of a servant. James 1 verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Group 3. The Innocently Disobedient Servants. This group could possibly be servants that Group 2 influenced, trained, or misled. 
They may not be doers of the word simply because they don't know what the word says. Maybe they never read it. Or they may have fallen prey to false teaching, immorality, or idolatry. Skeptical? A better description of group three is given by Jesus in his message to the seven churches found in the book of Revelation in chapters two and three. The other five churches besides Smyrna and Philadelphia are listed. The Church of Ephesus, Fundamental Doctrine but Lacking Love, Church of Pergamos, False Doctrine, Immorality, Church of Thyatira, Allowed a False Prophetess to Teach, The Church of Sardis, Dead Works, Church of Laodicea, Lukewarm. Weren't we just carnal Christians or backsliders? asked Group 3. Jesus encourages Group 3 to repent and be overcomers. Page 130 of Dad's Bible contains Christ's instructional encouragement to believers. Instructional encouragement is based on, here's the truth, these are your options, and there are consequences. You choose. The takeaway for this writer in layman's language is Jesus lovingly instructed group one. Great job. Keep doing what you're doing. I will be back soon. Hold down the fort until I come. If you need help, I left more instructions in my word. Send me messages for guidance. I will answer. Stand strong. Don't give up and you will be rewarded. Jesus banished group two with, Depart from me, I never knew you. Jesus praised group three. I know you thought you were serving me, but you have made some mistakes and have been suffering the consequences of your bad decisions. Now that you are aware, turn back to me and I will forgive you. Don't be discouraged. Study my word and share it with others. Persevere, and I will bring your reward with me when I come back. Jesus said, Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Revelation 3, verse 19. And look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Revelation 22, verse 12. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Don't miss the next posting, Encouragement, see page 397. Encouragement, see page 397. In the letter of James... But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who observes his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But he who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, that forgets, but a doer that acts, 
He shall be blessed in his doing. James 1, verses 22 through 25. What does a doer of the word look like? A good picture could be found in Matthew chapter 11. John the Baptist was imprisoned by King Herod and sent two of his disciples to Jesus to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Matthew 11, verses 3 through 6. So, do what Jesus did. He lived the Father's plan for his life on earth. He didn't just read the redemption plan up in heaven and never come to earth to fulfill it. Believers are to live out God's plan for them in the same way, not just read about it in his word. A hearer of the word remembers to look at himself in the mirror every morning, but forgets the word as soon as he leaves the house. A doer of the word forgets to look in the mirror in the morning, but remembers the word as soon as he leaves the house and does it. What does it take to be a doer that acts? Faith that is genuine. Even though Dad may have become discouraged in his walk with Christ, his faith was genuine. He has been gone for almost 40 years, but neighbors still mention him, not as just a good guy, but as a man who lived for God. Some still don't believe in Jesus, but they respect Dad for showing that he did. The great news is that a doer of the word shall be blessed in his doing. For in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 10. Encouragement, see page 381, is not the last notations from Dad in his New Testament Bible, but contains the most important message that he personally left in my keepsake message from him on encouragement. It will be our next post. In case you don't feel like hearing this all over again, to start over, I made another post back in 2016. It's titled, Starting Over, A Reset. We have all experienced the need for starting over. 
It can be a painful prospect, but in many cases, a reset is the only solution. Setting a new course can be just the thing necessary to set us free from heartache, guilt, doubt, addiction, unfruitfulness, or in the case of spiritual warfare, a total rebirth. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. John 3, verses 7 and 8. God chose a flood to wipe out the wickedness that man had caused on the earth in Genesis chapter 6. Rather than destroy man completely, God provided a way of escape for Noah and his family by calling upon Noah to build an ark. Through faith, Noah was allowed a means of starting over, a reset, if you will. The victorious reset in history over mankind's separation from God is the resurrection of Jesus Christ three days after his crucifixion. Praise God we serve a living Christ. Another major reset for mankind will take place in the future when our Messiah returns and sets up his kingdom on earth. It's called the Millennial Age. These examples of God's resets show that God's love for us is not to be defeated. He has not given up on us, but his plan requires starting over. Back in 2016, I chose a feature photo for that post because a rainbow reminded me of God's faithful promise to never again consume the earth with a flood. He placed the rainbow in the skies as evidence of his promise. After the rains, the flooding will pass. Starting over is like that for me. The world consumed me like a flood, but the flooding has passed. God's magnificent rainbow of promise lies before me, and I rejoice in starting over in Him. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. James 4, verse 8. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Galatians 6, verse 9. And no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide you a way out so that you can endure it. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Thank you for listening all the way to the end of my series on Encouragement for 2022. Don't be afraid to start over if you feel the Holy Spirit's urgings. 2022 is the year of new beginnings. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray that you have been blessed and encouraged by this story.